I suspect that Furphy will end up perhaps rebadged, or the the Victorian one will become Furphy Original, maybe. Furphy Super Crisp. Yeah. <laughs> Summer bright Furphy. And thanks to Cryo Malt, a malt supplier who supplies a lot of malt that probably went into some of the beers that made their way into the Gabs Festival Hottest 100. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Pete Mitchum. I'm your host, and it is a pleasure to welcome for the second time in 2018, Matt Kierkegaard and James Atkinson. Matt, g'day, mate. Thank you very much. You know, I think it's actually James and I who should be welcoming you today, seeing uh, James and I have uh, been cavorting without you. Ah, yeah, but you cavorted very well, and I'll start off with a, a little bit of uh, sunshine up the skirt and say that uh, I was lucky enough to to be in the bunker on uh, the 26th when the Gabs Hottest 100 was revealed, and um, in with the Brains Trust there as each of the, the 10 uh, beers and then the, the final 10 one at a time were announced and uh, listening to the, the podcast, and it was it was really interesting to listen to the podcast rather than creating it and uh well done to you guys it was uh very entertaining it was very tight uh i know the you know the restrictions that um or the the hurdles that can be put in the way of um of of putting a a neat and tight show together uh but it all worked really really well considering you were working out of a brewery the brewery that as it turned out um that of course we did not know at the time uh, was going to take um we figured it was probably going to take one of the top three spots given that it it you know, jump with a bullet to number four from nowhere last year, that it was a fair chance it was going to, to do fairly well. And, and yeah, look, well done to all the guys uh, who, were, who were involved. Can we give a shout out? Is it John, Matt, who, is, uh, who jumped in as uh, the role of producer? John Guana, yes, yeah, uh, who stepped in. You know, it's, it, it's amazing that, you know, having these things done by somebody who knows what he's doing, um, it, it's amazing the effect that it can have on the uh, production quality. <laughs> who would have thought it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sure. In groundbreaking news, uh, <laughs> professionalism leads to a slightly more professional product. But no, and, and profit was good, and, and I would like to get that. Uh, you know that that horse isn't quite flogged uh, yet, and uh, you know we, we locked in Bolter just after. If it wasn't before, it was just after the voting opened. Bolter was just the obvious choice because they had done so well. They were likely to do so well there was that whole politics that we'll talk about about the breweries that had been bought out more importantly they were willing to host us so um and <laughs> and, and help us out so that was why bolter was chosen it just worked out uh really well so uh mate, I, was, I was pleased you got to to, to listen and uh, thanks for that feedback it uh, i'm glad you said it was tight because it certainly didn't feel uh very tight from where we were sitting did it james it just felt like we were never quite catching up uh, with ourselves with the you know Beers constantly dropping, people joining us, people on the phone. It was three hours that disappeared very, very quickly. It's amazing how it's like that every year. I'm always very apprehensive before we kick things off. And then once you get into the swing of it, it just it just flies by. But um, this year, more than ever, I think we had you know help in that regard just with the number of great guests that we had on. And also Kerry did a fantastic job at co-hosting as well. Kerry Clayton, who uh, up until the end of this week or when this podcast drops will have finished at Newstead Brewing, but was a great uh, addition to the team. And I think we'll uh, probably see if we can't get Kerry on a little bit more. But yeah, and uh, you know, God, James, I, I, I was dreading listening back to particularly the last 
well, it was meant to be the last half hour. It ended up being about the last 50 minutes when the number one was announced and suddenly uh, we had Mick Fanning turn up. Uh, we had Joel Parkinson you know, turn up, none of, none of which was expected. And uh, I've had to make a couple of phone calls to the guests that we had online waiting you know, patiently while, world, while we gushed over some world champion surfers. Uh, but it, you know, I, I think we just about pulled it off. Gents, we better get into the news. Not that there is a lot, although I suspect that the uh, results and the fallback and the feedback from the Hottest 100 revelation uh, might take up a little bit of our time. But in news today, we will uh, go a little bit talking heads and uh, talk about an article entitled, And You May Find Yourself. Uh, But I think in probably what is the most earth-shattering and groundbreaking and future-changing development... Uh, a popular beer, which was very popular with lots of people, was voted the most popularly popular beer in the country's most popular online popularity <laughs> poll. You're not saying that a beer that's And hot. people just lost their shit. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, results of the 10th Hottest 100 poll. Yeah, Prof. I mean, you, you can't say no great surprises. Um, fantastic to see Ben Spoke um, do so well. And I'm going to throw uh, Richard in as you know maybe one of our next guests because we didn't get to catch up with him on the day because of the, the way things ran. Great to see how that went. And it almost uh, fooled my algorithm that was, you know, distribution plus hype equals a uh, hottest 100 um, high mark because they have had increased distribution, but they, they really don't seem to be a hyped beer, certainly in this part of the world. I don't know what they're like. I, I gather they've got a much bigger presence in Sydney, James. Yeah, I, I see it around. I'm seeing it around more and more these days. But I, but I, I also think that, you know, given the volume of um, Ben Spoke and the fact that I believe they sell, you know, 300,000 litres of beer just over the bar at their, their original brew pub, in Canberra, when you look at all the you know whatever wholesale volume that they have, it just it just sort of shows how they really you know are punching above their weight in terms of getting all those votes for a relatively small brand, as are Bolter um, compared to you know the likes of Stone and Wood, which would be you know Pacific Ale would be a beer that's ten times bigger or more in the marketplace than either of those. Bolter gets a lot more you know like hype or a lot more vibe, a lot more press coverage, and you know so so it seems to just. You, know, you expect it to, to rate a little bit better, whereas uh, Ben Spoke is, dare I say, like a, you know, making awesome beers. They've done very well at awards. Um, their distribution has increased. They've uh, gotten onto Singapore Airlines. So there, there are those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be reaching people who are going to vote um, and who are motivated to, to, to vote for you. And, and they seem to have that X factor as well, um, which is was very, very exciting. I think they've definitely had the benefit of being in a market where, you know, they're a big fish in that market, if you like. Whereas if, you, if you're a brewery in, Sydney, in the inner west of Sydney, for example, and you're trying to get people to vote for your brand, there's just that, you know, there's a million different beers they might potentially vote for. And I think, you know, that Canberra... Um, markets very parochial and and very um, you know give, really giving Ben Spoke a lot of support and they've even got the media behind them down there as well. That's what I was going to say, James. I think last year we may have um, touched on it as well that uh, the Canberra media and the Canberra brewers seem to be you know in that kind of closed shop uh, environment uh, very well able to activate their um, their databases engage with their with their customers let them know that the poll exists which are, which i think is, is is half the battle and that showed in the results with um packed uh, who was the other one who got uh, uh capital capital, so, capital i have never, never seen in the can in the actual able to you know physically touch it any capital anywhere 
but I've seen it all over my Facebook feed and other social media. So I think if you can activate your drinkers who, okay, yeah, I did have one of those, it was really good, and they've reminded me that here's a poll and here's a link or whatever, you, you're going to do well. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if Batch, Young Henry's and Grifter, well, Young Henry's is a bad example because they did really well as well. But but if a lot of the other smaller breweries in this area try and do that, then um, it, it's hard for them to – they're competing with each other for brand loyalty and then they're competing with the big brands, like bigger brands like Bolsa, Stone and Wood, all that sort of stuff as well. But then in itself, you know, whilst uh, Stone and Wood was knocked off the, the number one perch and number two, you know, we try harder, um, as, as was it Avis used to say? Or, yeah. You know, being number two, particularly when you're growing to that size, uh, is a real achievement because it is hard, even though your distribution is much bigger than Bolter, keeping that excitement and keeping people excited enough about your product to include it um, as a number one. And... You know, we, we see in the craft beer market that new and novel and interesting is what pe- what gets people buzzed. And for Stone and Wood to still keep that engagement and keep people voting for them and keeping, you know, sufficiently front of mind to, to be number two is, I, I actually think that's a, a really big achievement for them. Um, so one, two, three, being up at that end of, you know, the very sharp end of the, the Hottest 100 is a huge achievement for them. And to do it consistently is even more so. Did um, you look at uh, beers like uh, like Stonewood Pacific Ale, uh, which was first brewed, I'm going to say 2008, made its first appearance as Draft Ale in the 2009 poll, um, in the high teens, somewhere around there, uh, but since then has, has basically been top five, as has uh, Little Creatures Pale, uh, as has Hop Hog, um, so th- those sort of beers that have been swapping places at the top have clearly got something. Um, and, and Matt, I thought your your formula was was absolutely gold in terms of um, yes, it's a popularity contest, guys. It's it's not um, you know a blind tasting uh, with you know expert judges and and that sort of thing. It's 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 the hottest. So it's it's what's got that certain je ne sais quoi. What's got that certain you know a vibe about it. And that and the, and there's a whole lot of uh, factors that go into getting your beer, you know, in the top 100. Although looking at the uh, the peanut gallery known as Facebook, um, you know, the, the number of people who, when you point that out and you sort of say it's a popular vote and, the, you know, um, it, it's people being excited about something, then they always throw in the chestnut about the Hottest 100 has been abused by people organising mass votes for a few years now. And I don't know exactly what they mean by that. Um, I'm not sure whether... You know, just about every brewery, you know, mails out to their database, you know, if you like our beers, vote for us. And that's just a standard. You know, they're not allowed to incentivise them. Um, you know, all they can do is let people know that it's on and ask them to vote for it. And if people are actually engaged in your brand, that is what, you know, people are making a fortune teaching people how to build a community around their emails, um, and if, if you can send an email out that tells people that this vote is on and they're engaged enough to go and vote, that's actually called good business and that's good marketing and that's actually showing that you people are invested in your product, which is what the Hottest 100 to some extent is about. Now, if those same people are saying that, you know, like there are Chinese sweatshops um, of people just hitting vote, 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 I'm pretty sure that the Gabs guys have worked on that to make sure that IP addresses are, are monitored and tracked, and I wouldn't mind uh, maybe getting Steve on to once again talk about the measures that they've got in place to try and you know, avoid any businesses uh, gaming the vote. Do you know much about that, Prof? I do. What I might even do is, um, is organise for Craig Williams, who's the, um, the event director 
for Gab. So, yep. um, and congr- congratulations to Craig, who has just uh, completed his first his first full year of of employment. Um, so he's actually the first employee of um, of Gab's Spectacular Enterprises, yep. uh, which runs which runs Gab's. Um, in two thousand and thirteen, I think it was. Um, Steve was at the point where he was going to can the whole thing. Um, long story short, he didn't uh, and was convinced to to keep the poll going. And part of it was, I guess, the negative press that it that, that it was getting, you know, from from a very noisy minority who were challenging, you know, the the results as 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 being bent or moody. We'll get Craig on, but I can honestly tell you there are a lot of votes. And a lot of beers that get frozen out. There are a lot of votes that get rejected. Um, they have a hundred different ways of checking votes for authenticity. If let, let's put it that way, Steve's a lot happier now. Um, he never used to reveal, and still hasn't um, revealed the the numbers of, of people who vote. But I can tell you that it was about 152 in the first year, um, and it doubled to about 335 the next year, 900 the next year, and it's just kept growing. Steve didn't want to announce early on the, the numbers of people who voted because he felt then that, it might, oh, if there's only, you know, 800, 900 people, but it's easy to then manipulate the results. So he was, he was, he was thinking ahead before anyone else thought to, to, to try and, you know, game the system. Um, it's got to the point now where you, you couldn't do it, absolutely couldn't do it. Perhaps if the Russians hacked into the, the Gab system, but even then I, I think they'd, they'd still suss it out. But uh, I'll, I'll get Craig on and he can sort of talk through some of the things, behind the scenes things that, for Gabs, which, look, I think will answer a lot of the questions, but I don't think it'll appease the pissy idiots. Yeah, you, you raise a good point there, Prof. Congratulations to Craig because it was just a beautifully organised, uh, really well run vote this year. And, you know, it really has grown into something, the excitement at Bolter, but also, you know, the, the, the buzz you had from brewers, um, you know, people finishing emails um, during the week leading up to it, you know, Good luck on uh, on Saturday. It, it is really in the consciousness. It's, it's one of those things that, like, good beer week, um, AIBA, it has really entered the consciousness. And as with any award ceremony, everyone sort of says, oh, you know, it's nice to be nominated, but, you know, it, it, winning doesn't matter. I'm calling bullshit on that one because uh, <laughs> it, a lot of people, went, you know, uh, Richard Watkins, we'd, uh, we'd teed him up like on Australia Day the day before. You know, we were sort of asked, oh, you know, would you, would you get Richard Watkins on? Um, and we teed him up uh, for the one slot we had available, which just happened to be, uh, I can't remember, it was about number, it would have been around about the time number eight or seven dropped. And he shot us a text saying, oh, guys, don't call me. You know, we've got things going on here. And, uh, you know, call me 15 minutes afterwards. And we just lost the chance. But they were really anxiously awaiting to see what number they got. And it really does matter um, you know, emotionally as well as uh, financially uh, to, to brewers if, uh, it, if they're doing well in the vote. Economically too. It, it, was, it, uh, was it Mick Cameron who last year said after the, uh, the day or in, in, the, in the couple of days after um, the results and, and obviously Pirate Life, I think three, three beers in the top 11 last year, um, fielded something like 250 sales inquiries? That's true. Um, absolutely. I think they got a hell of a lot of accounts off that first year. When we, we asked... Bolter and Ben spoke, you know, whether they had similar upticks off their result last year and they were a bit more sort of reserved, but both of them, I think, have, have since grown sales massively, so you can't say that it hasn't had an impact for them. Speaking of that, boys, um, I guess the other side of the coin, the yin to the yang, is uh, there's no such thing as inverted commas, you know, losers. 
But who would perhaps have been disappointed by their results? I was incredibly surprised by just how far Feral fell. I, I assumed that they would take a bit of a hit because there is that factor, not because the beer has changed. Um, and we, we went through that very extensively with uh, Brendan um, when we had him on the show, sort of talking about how the beer changes, but whether the quality changes. But um, yeah, just that motivation to vote um, once you've once you've sold out probably isn't there. People don't have that same affinity for it. But I was really surprised by quite how far Feral fell this year and. Uh, Pirate Life as well, you know, they still had, I think they had seven beers in the Hottest 100, so they were hardly losers, but they just weren't getting up around that area where you have to have a you know, significant emotional investment over and above uh, great beer and good distribution. I've spoken to a couple of people this week who have sort of pointed out that Pirate Life's success this year is based on the fact that South Australians are particularly more parochial and um, I guess more loyal to their local brands um, than perhaps some other states drinkers are but then i don't know whether uh, you know how that works because i would i would have thought western australia would have been would have been the same they're different situations really i, I think feral and pirate life for a variety of reasons um but that whole conversation the, the, an interesting discussion was had on facebook just about what was the reason why they did fall so much and Pod McLaughlin, who you guys have actually had on the program before, I believe, who um, was managing, most recently managing director of um, Australian Beverages at Coca-Cola Amatil, uh, he made the comment on Facebook, I saw, it's too early to be related to the new owners, even in a fickle market, you must believe it would take time for consumers to realise that. And I just responded and said, well, you know, I think you're probably right if you're talking about the mainstream beer market that not many people are going to know about these sales. But we're not. that's not what we're talking about here. The sort of people that we're talking about, they go to Gabs, they read Bruised News, um, they take a very serious interest in what's going on in the industry. They'd be very keenly aware of these sales. And, um, you know, it's. I'm convinced that it was that was the reason why all those brands did drop down so significantly. Based on that, James, it might be interesting to look at next year's uh, Hottest 100 results to see whether or not any increased volume and distribution and ease of access in in pubs where you know feral four pines and pirate life perhaps hadn't been as available um before uh whether that makes a difference without giving away the numbers but we're, we're into the tens of thousands of voters but there's still only it's about what have we got 450 breweries there's about 280 um of, a, of, of those 450 register Every, every, every single brewery in the country is sent the invitation to load your beers on and all that sort of thing. They're then reminded and all that sort of thing. But as I so about 280 of the, of the breweries actually actually take up the offer. So are then therefore available to be voted for. Um, it, it'll just be, yeah, interesting to see how it, how it changes next year with greater distribution. You know, more, more mainstream people coming in means that the I guess, you know, the telephone booth gang are getting, getting smaller and smaller um, as a percentage. I know that a lot of people have been really focused on the independents um, as if, oh, you know, those guys are taking a hit. Mate, they, they may have taken a bit of a hit in the rarefied environment of Hottest 100. Like, we've spent 25 minutes yeah. talking about the Hottest 100. It's not unimportant, but it's not unimportant in people who are highly invested in craft beer. You know, the number of people I've spoken to, um, you know, like family members, friends, so say, oh, yeah, I was down at Bolter on the weekend, I met Mick Fanning, and they're going, oh, what are we doing down there? Oh, there's a thing called the Hottest 100. 
why did, well, did they have the music on? They just don't know about the Beer Hottest 100. And yeah, so yeah. whilst, you know, in, in, in our world of people who care about, you know, beer and beer provenance, independence does matter. And, and that's backed up by the um, Beer Cartel Survey, which incidentally, if you're voting in the Beer Cartel Survey, you are invested in craft beer. And so, yes, within that very small fraction of the market, independence matters. You step away from that and people just don't care. Um, and so I think the guys like Feral and Pirate Life, who have probably suffered a bit of a hit in the Hottest 100 and in the Cool Kids Club, um, and that always hurts emotionally, but their distribution and their sales are going to go up over the next uh, 12 months despite that. I think you're absolutely right. And, I don't, and just to cross point, I don't think that those people that become you know new Feral and Pirate Life drinkers, if you will, I don't think they're necessarily going to become Gab's, you know, Gab's hottest 100 voters. I don't know that that's sort of a natural progression necessarily. It's fascinating. I I'd got to sort of see a little bit of one of the national retailers, not one of the big box, um, you know, like the Dan Murphys who sponsored Gab's and so have a vested interest in it, you know, one of the more shopping centre convenience um, arms. And their craft sales are going up, you know, 25%. And so we're not just talking about pointy end anymore. Craft is starting to bleed out into what you would call the genuine mainstream and it's not going to be you know eight and a half percent pirate life double ipas that are getting out there but it is going to be uh you know beers like feral hop hog um and, and that style of beer are going to get genuinely wider distribution um that comes from being with the ccas and the uh, uh cubs um and i i think that those beers are just going to become more and more popular the interesting thing for me, and, and I, I do not know the answer for this, is as craft beer gets out further and we see those brands become more popular, will people ever be, you know, will, will that mainstream be invested enough to vote in the Hottest 100 that it will seriously skew um, the, the Hottest 100 results? I, I don't know. I actually suspect that we might start to see a little bit a broader base when you see how things like James Squire did this year. And it, it, it's... Uh, you know, a beer that I would never expect to do too well, but they, uh, you know, a lot of those very broad appeal line beers started to, uh, you know, creep up in the in the hottest 100, and I suspect that that's, uh, you know, the Dan Murphy's effect. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I stress that that's not a bad thing either because it shows that, you know, it, it gives more credence to the rest of the uh, um, results because those uh, well-made beers, they're very popular beers, but it also shows that we are getting out of that, you know, pointy end um, of the market who are the only people who are voting. Have they actually crept up, though? Because I remember a couple of years ago when 150 Lashes got to, I think it might have been 12th place, and there was a lot of talk in the industry about, wow, maybe, maybe you know, this is going to be the point where it goes to the top and stays there. And I don't know that – I think that that beer has actually dropped back quite a lot. I think – How long ago was that? I'm trying to remember. That was – um, Probably two three, or three, three two, two three years ago. Maybe. Ah, yeah. okay. Three okay, years ago. But even so, like it's still solidly in the list. It's not, you know, it, it, it's not being pushed out. Um, and in, in that sense, you, you look at something like Coopers that I think, uh, you know, Coopers haven't listed their beers for the last few years. I believe that they listed them this year, and Sparkling was somewhere in they the did. bottom in in the last it, ten. Yeah, 90, 93, 98, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was only la- it was only last year that they. Um, a decision was made by a person in marketing that they wouldn't participate. They wouldn't add their beers in. <laughs> they did this but, year, like I. But they're back this year. And, and yeah, I, I had a call a couple of months ago, sort of, you know, when when can we list our beers? You got so th- there was obviously some realization that they need to, uh, you know, 
be in it. Um, so yeah, so I think that if you if you've got a brand that's like Cooper's that is uh, sort of down that end, um, and I mean I, I didn't see any overt marketing really from the James Squire team that was any you know greater than anyone else. So I, I look. I, I think seeing those beers solidly in the list, and you know the the, the yak ales and uh, you know that style of beer. I think Kosciuszko was there as well, um, from memory. Yeah, yeah, Kosciuszko was down down in the bottom thirty. Actually, I'll tell you the uh, the one Furphy was there. Um, it's a beer that will be really interesting to see. Apparently, its sales are going just in Victoria alone. You, you speak to the reps up here, and I think they're starting to want to spread the distribution, and they just can't make enough to get it to Queensland. So. That's a beer that, you know, mainstream beer um, that I think we're going to sort of see really come to uh, factor in years to come. And yeah. interestingly enough, it's been on tap recently in a pub in Enmore in Sydney. Um, and when I went back to the line and said, isn't it meant to be a Victorian-only product? They were like, oh, is it? We didn't know that it was, that it was there. So <laughs> I kind of assume they must have been road testing it or something like that. And this is going back a while now. So they must be, as you say, Matt, they must be pretty keen to, to expand it considering how well it's doing. I suspect that Furphy will end up national, but but not as Furphy. I think there'll be, uh, you know, that that'll stay. They 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 kind of hooked themselves into that all Victorian labelling for for that. Uh, there's there's there is a, another Furphy that's going to be coming out to represent Frio, and I, I suspect that Furphy will end up perhaps rebadged, or the the Victorian one will become Furphy Original, maybe. Yeah, oh, mate. I I look at those. I mate, mean, I'm not a marketer. You know, I'm not getting paid work for Great Northern. Well, but did Furphy it, Super Crisp. Yeah. <laughs> but that, look, that, that thing, Furphy. It, it, it's, Summer it's, bright Furphy. It, I mean, VB went national 25% of the market and it was called Victoria Bitter. Um, and it was when they started playing around with it to make it uh, nationally. That's when it lost. So hashtag uh, leave Furphy alone. Just, you know, <laughs> pe- people are finding it, people are loving it. And, uh, you know, it's just, there's, there's something Australian about it without being bogan Australian. You know, I think... Leave it alone. How much less do you think they would sell if it was called uh, Furphy Kolsch? Because it is a it is a Kolsch style. Do you think the fact that it it's not it's styleless? It's a refreshing ale. Oh, good. I like refreshing. Yeah, no, no, I don't but... mind. I don't mind ale. I, I think that's got a lot to do with it. I think if they'd called it a Kolsch or a German summer ale or something like that, I think maybe they um, it would not wouldn't wouldn't have done nearly as well. And we've seen that over and over again, uh, Prof. You know, when we do the echo, if you have a beer that's you know technically a golden ale yeah, and what, a very good what, what golden sort of ale, beer is it? And tell people what what they're getting, and isn't that essentially the what a style is? Um, I, I love Stephen Beaumont's um, definition. I think you know, it, it's a contract between the brewer and the uh, beer drinker. So you know, when they order, make a, a, a purchase, they know what they're going to get. Um, and if you tell them up front, and, and Kolsch was a little bit of a, again, this is my subjective analysis of it, calling a beer a Kolsch, and none of the Kolsch's in Australia would be recognisable to someone from Cologne who was coming over. In fact, I've, you, know, you have a lot of Germans who tell you, this isn't a Kolsch. But, uh, you know, that, that light golden style ale, I, I think you're spot on, Prof. You know, and calling something Kolsch appealed to craft beer drinkers who wanted to feel that they were, you know, still keeping true to their craft beer credentials. And, and justifying their knowledge. And justifying their knowledge. So that, that I was drink Kolsch because I know what Kolsch is. Yeah, but to, to everybody else, um, you know, it, it, a little bit like calling a Shandy a Rattler, um, because then you can spin the story about Franz Kugler and the, you know, the, the Alpine Meadows and, you know, pouring it with, you know, 
It's basically Granny Shandy, <laughs> but you can't call a beer a shandy because no one's going to pick up a sh- no self-respecting bloke's going to pick up a shandy and drink it when he's with his mates uh, down at the footy club. But he'll have a Rattler because mate, this is a German anyway. So yeah, yeah so hundred percent. Matt's prediction for future polls beautifully done. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Last year, towards the uh, end, I announced that uh, this year I would be working on um, making sure that if uh, if peanuts stuck their head up over the parapet, um, that they would be ridiculed. Um, I would uh, direct our listeners' attention to uh, Ale of a Time, Um, who has done a far better job than I could do, uh, a considered reply to the hottest 100 2017. Luke did this last year and basically went through uh, and and, and just picked up all the scraps out of the gutter from every forum where people had um, opened their mouth before engaging the brain and said some ridiculously stupid things about various beers um, and then gave them a little critique, which I thought was really good. Did you guys uh, manage to catch up with, with this year's? Yep, I gave it a um, I gave it a read. There were some crackers in there, but I also I, don't, I must be a glutton for punishment. I also do do sort of quite like wading through the comments myself and and um, <laughs> yeah, reading them and 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 being constantly disappointed by my fellow humans year in year, year out. <laughs> Matt and I have talked about BC, you know, before creatures kind of thing, and I, and I think that's becoming more and more relevant now. For somebody and this some intolerable flog to come out and say. Stone and wood isn't any good because you can get it at grilled. Now, hang on. Isn't the whole point that we want to get more beers, different beers, a range of beers at places where we couldn't get them before? Mind you, that's the same bloke that would go on holidays to some, you know, like coastal community and then bitch about, oh, all I can get is Han Super Dry, you know, and, and, and complain <laughs> about it. And next year he turns up Pacific Ale is shit because you can even get it at the place, you know, the, the, the coastal community. Make up your mind. What do you want? Do you want beer to be popular? Do you want to be able to get beer everywhere? Well, then beers are going to become like stone and wood. They are going to be yeah. everywhere. You're going to be able to get them at grilled. Reading between the lines, uh, what they're saying is, what I voted for did not get in the top 100. Therefore, I'm going to throw my toys out of the cot. Actually, I think it's even it's even more a case of it. It really guys who say that are really showing their ignorance, um, but also that it, that it is that really you know. I liked it when it before everyone else did, and it, it really is. It's it, it it's they're not actually tasting beers; they are buying into this elitism that comes with knowing you know breweries before their mates do, or you know drinking things that aren't popular um, because they think that that gives them greater knowledge when they're actually a worse kind of sheep um, because they're not even drinking beers that they necessarily enjoy, or the enjoyment that they get from the beers doesn't actually come from the liquid. It comes from the social uh, engagement that comes from, uh, you know, backslapping each other about who's got the you know, most obscure tastes. It's a tall poppy thing as well, which we're obviously very good at in this country. 
That's right. Elizabeth, have we uh, have we covered off the uh, Hottest 100 enough now, boys? Did we talk about that video of Scotty? That uh, if you go to the Gabs Festival Facebook page, the genuine excitement as a uh, you know that they obviously knew when Pacific Ale um, was number two. They and we hadn't seen XPA all day. They were a fair chance. Yep. Yeah, but then suddenly when it uh, scrolled through, there was you know very genuine excitement. Uh, amongst the team so uh, yeah no I just sort of refer people actually the, the, the look on Mick Fanning's face was just the like it was beaming um, you, you, you would say James absolutely yep all, all the guys were really really chuffed so it was was quite cool to be able to see that and I've got to say too, Matt, I was reminded of uh, last year. So the first year we had Bolter XPA on at uh, at our stand at the Ecker and it was B Durbridge I think Popped in with his family. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, was and you were sort of off to the yeah, and you were off to the side, sort of having a chat. And I was, hadn't been introduced to this stage. I didn't know him from Adam. And somebody was ordering an XPA. We weren't talking them into it or anything like that. But and it was like, oh yeah, what should I try? Gave a description of it, and the guy's reaction to to this beer and how much he enjoyed the beer, and then to look over and see Bead's reaction, and it was so honest and so genuine and so spontaneous. Him getting a real buzz out of this guy who he didn't know, getting a real buzz out of having a beer that, you know, 10 minutes ago he didn't know existed was absolutely 100% genuine. And that's what I thought, okay, yeah, you've, you've got a well-made beer here that's got buzz behind it if you look for it, but the reality is the beer stands on its own end of story. Yeah, and, and, and those guys are genuinely interested in what it is that they're doing. They get a real pride from it. 100%. I, I think we've got Gabs on the, uh, on, on the floor for another year. Yeah, oh, look, there's plenty more we can talk about, and I'm sure that uh, you know the fallout will continue, and we'll and we'll keep ridiculing as as required. Matt, once in a lifetime, and you may find yourself interesting article. Yeah, look, this was just something that came up, just a little article on good beer hunting, and it was just one of the um, editors of it, I think, just posted. Apparently, uh, there's an online TV channel called Sling. I, I think geeks are able to access it here, or people who know how to. Jury rig, but anyway, they're, they're big enough in the states that they're running a TV commercial right now, based entirely on the premise that beer drinkers are ridiculous. In the ad, a bearded, bespectacled fellow, um, backed by stainless steel tanks and oak barrels, walks up to a bar and says, "I'm looking for a microbrew. No, 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 a nano brew. No, uh, with hints of chocolate and leather. Not chew leather, like a belt." Um, and basically, he's being held up. And the the tie line is, "If you can get." This picky with your beer, why not get picky with your TV? I find it interesting that in the currency, if, if advertising to communicate messages simply and easily, um, which is what it's meant to do, once upon a time, that would have been you know, a wine guy, like a cravat-wearing wine guy. And when... Yep, 100%. The beer guy has come to be seen you know, as instantly ridiculous and instantly you know, pompous and instantly you know, head up his own ass. Um, about things and that's the way marketers and advertising people can communicate an idea so quickly we, we really need to step back and take a look at ourselves a little bit um you know having spent the last 30 minutes talking you know intensively about it isn't it really exciting that beer is interesting and that people are talking about it but it just comes back down to you know don't take yourself so seriously when you're doing it it is beer after all it is, and you know i'll even go out on limits to say beer isn't wine um, yeah, it, it, it's great that beer isn't just a weapon of mass consumption. A lot of people are going to get angry about that sort of thing. And I was, I was actually really pleased because, you know, four or five years ago, AB Bev came out with that uh, Super Bowl ad. It essentially said the same thing. And, you know, the, the, the world was up in arms. The beer world was up in arms about how unfair it was and, you know, self-defending. When this, you've actually got a very passionate beer writer 
saying, look, I actually agree with this. So I just wanted to throw that in there and you know, maybe people want to have a read of the article. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, click on the link and uh, and have a look because it is, it is very interesting. Is the Canadian club ad kind of similar? It's not obviously aimed at, uh, it, it's aimed at beer drinkers generally, but in terms of the same sort of thing, although I, I took umbrage at the uh, the bit where there's a, there's a guy saying, you know, oh, I'm waiting for beer to grow on me. And, you know, and then they show the, the beer gut and all that sort of thing, um, completely oblivious to the amount of sugar that's in, uh, in the, the <laughs> yeah. CC and dry and the, well, the number of calories, you know. But that's plain. Uh, but it's a similar kind of thing. Like it's a, Yeah, because people see that and they go, oh, yeah, I know guys like that who just drink beer because they think they're supposed to. And, and then using it to kind of, you know, the double bluff and switch back to, you know, so yeah, try this. So try Sling TV if you don't want to be a wanker sort of thing. Or Yeah. That's a good point. But then again, you look at the way that Canadian Club is playing to perceptions that the mainstream beer industry has actually gone out of its way to reinforce with all of the pure blonde ads. It was basically saying, you know, beer will make you fat. If you don't want to be fat, drink this one. So Canadian Club, all they've done is picked up some of the uh, you know, low-hanging fruit that the brewing industry uh, left there and and are running with it. And they're also going for the end of the market where people don't want to be challenged by flavour. They want sweet, um, easy-drinking, smashable things that will just get them to where they want to be, and that's never a good place. So you know, if people want to, want to do that, um, and it does tend to be the younger drinkers who don't like the bitterness in beer. I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got, got mail. Uh, there was a mention on Twitter uh, of the podcast, uh, and I just said, oh, look, you know, the splitting it into two separate um, editions is uh, seems to be working, and people are you know, responding. And there was a Bats and Balls pod that referred to us, and... I just said, look, don't know who this is, but uh, nice to see us mentioned. And uh, it ended up being Josh Button, who uh, is Pies Josh, has uh, on a a lot of social media um, sites. But hi, guys, loving the new format. I know it's not new, but it's taken me a while to get up to date. Interesting times ahead, re-ownership, tap contracts. I've always been happy enough to buy crafty options owned by big companies. I'm keen to know how the more geeky drinker responds to such favourites as Feral, brackets of minor shock, and Pirate Life, brackets no surprise at all, being big beer boys now. <laughs> that, that's an interesting uh, take. Uh, by the way, at Bats and Balls Pod, anyone who likes cricket and wants to follow it, is my sports podcast you mentioned in episode 155. I was replying to a basketball coaching site considering two different podcast options. I use your show as an example of how splitting content can work effectively. So, Matt, if... Uh, the, you know, that, that's a sort of, I won't call it a backhanded, but, you know, a side uh, compliment that you know, we're being held up as a... So, yeah, no, pleased that people are liking it. Thanks for uh, getting in touch, Josh. Um, mate, if you email me, I'll, I'll get back to you, but if you send me your uh, postal address, we will send you a bit of Bruise News merch. As long as you don't drink all your beer out of cans. It's a bottle opener. It, it's a bottle opener. So <laughs> On that, I was looking through my uh, Instagram feed this morning and I saw somebody posting... Uh, a, a photo of them wearing the hat that has quality, uh, consistency, uh, balance and style. Uh, balance and style um, in in, in yeah. the photo, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. There you go. We're getting out there. Uh, I didn't so, even yeah. know we had caps. Um, Matt, is that some black market merchandise or is that legitimate? No, no, no. no it was legitimate. We had it through the same people. I I I just set it up, and they're still there, but we just haven't incorporated the um. 
uh, links to it in the new uh, website. It just used to be a little icon. So uh, if, we, if we've got some space um, amongst all of that lucrative advertising we're selling, uh, maybe we can pop it up there um, or otherwise uh, more effectively uh, communicate our... Actually, maybe we can have a house ad, James, for our merch. Good idea. Let's get one sorted. Excellent. And let's see if we can start maybe getting... Um really popular and, and start selling our merch at Grilled or something like that. <laughs> no, no one will want it then. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek and a little bit ridiculous, uh, thanks very much for listening to all our listeners. We'll see you back next week where we'll sort of start getting back into our 2018 calendar proper with some new guests. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for people that we perhaps need to talk to, uh, please let us know. Or any anyone anything that came out of the Hottest 100 that you would like to hear direct from the brewer, um, please let us know, you know what you thought about the Hottest 100 results and who you'd like to uh, hear their take on. All right. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks, Prof. James, thanks very much for joining us and well done again on uh, last week live from Bolter. Thanks, Pete. No worries at all. Take care, listeners, and we'll uh, see you all again next week or hear you. You'll hear us. We can't hear you.